the volume. Oral Sessions is brought to you by FanDuel. It's never been easier to play fantasy on FanDuel. Whether you love basketball, golf, soccer, or any other fantasy sport, there's a contest for every fan. FanDuel, more ways to win. Hey guys, welcome to Oral Sessions. We are doing things big again this week. We are not messing around as we never, ever do. Week in, week out, we're crushing it. Guest-wise, at least. Uh, The rest, I can't really say. But guest-wise, we're crushing it. Um, Because we are joined by the good doctor herself, DMD, Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, She was trending all over the internet all last week as her and Thunder Rosa, the main event of Dynamite with an unsanctioned lights-out match. These two women absolutely tore the place apart. Um, There was blood Everywhere. It was a red massacre, uh, thumbtacks, table spots, ladder spots. But it just, it was so impressive to see what these women did to really step up in that spot. Uh, you know, when Britt's on here, we talk about how the, the women's division at AEW has occasionally been under fire. Everyone wants to be a critic, blah, blah, blah. These women got to shut it down. We talk her career in AEW. We, of course, have to talk about her relationship with Adam Cole. How they met, how those two juggle being on AEW, being on NXT, all of the intricacies of their relationship, what his reaction was to her main event on Dynamite with all of the blood and the glory. Uh, We talk about her dentistry, all things Britt Baker. You guys are going to love this. If you don't already love this woman, you're going to love her more after this. Here she is, Dr. Britt Baker. I was going to ask her, I was like, do I have to dress up for this? And I was like, no, she won't care. No. <laughs> so normally I put in like an effort. I'm so fucking tired. I'm like pregnant, tired today and fat. I feel like I'm also pregnant, tired. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be here. How appropriate oral session, right? right? It's funny. I was like, I mean, when I like post like a new ep, I'm like, oh, so-and-so's on the show this week. People are like, when are you going to have Britt Baker on? And so many people are like, hey, by the <laughs> way, you also like stole what could have been her podcast name. I was like, oh yeah, I guess I kind of did. I am not podcaster material. So it is all yours. You have the oral sessions title. That's actually not true because you definitely have like the gift of gab. That's like, that is your thing. You do. <laughs> I, I do love to talk. So you just got off work. You just finished repairing teeth. Yeah, I got off work, like changed my scrubs real quick, put on my vintage Penguins t-shirt, which we love a good like vintage hockey shirt, right? Yes, we do. What is that brand? What is it? LLF something? LF stores. It's in California. It's some, the most random vintage t-shirt brand that I found on Instagram and I passed it along to yourself, obviously. It's just such a good find. They're amazing. Yeah. Check. I mean- don't check them out because then people gonna are going to take them. Yeah, because then we won't get the good ones. I, <laughs> so I got like a Toronto shirt and then I got, I, got, I got like an old like Jay's like 93 World Series shirt and then just like a Las Vegas classic shirt. Um, but there wasn't much beyond that. So nobody go check out that site. It's not worth your time. You're going to hate it. Uh, okay. So what a huge week in the career of Britt Baker. I mean, you look back to last week, you in, in, uh, in Thunder Rosa, the main event of AEW Dynamite in the first ever unsanctioned lights out match on Dynamite. How did this all kind of come together? 
Like, what was like the first thing of like, we're going to put this match together and it's going to be the main event? So like Tony Khan, which is like one of my favorite humans on the planet, he had the vision for this match for like a long time, for like four to six months. And he always says that like, you can plan these things out. And sometimes it's, you just can't take it that long because it fizzles out or the fans aren't into it. So he like loosely planned it for that long. And we were just lucky enough that the fans like kind of stayed invested. I don't know that how long the lights out on sanction parts uh, part of that was planned but um he told me i want to say it was about a month or so before we had it that that's what he wanted to do and i'm like okay let's <laughs> ah. go hardcore brit um mind you i was so nervous because i'm telling you renee i did not know how to set up a table like i'm asking the crew like should i have to set up this table how do i open it like you know i i had no i've never done anything like this in my life and they're heavy like you're so used to seeing the dudes either setting up a table or a dude setting up a chair shot that you're used to seeing them do that. But when the women do it, you don't realize how heavy those items really are. The ladder was so heavy. Like everything, every, it's like, you don't like they make it look so effortless and like, I already am so nervous about everything in this match. It's the main event. It's there's it's dangerous. It's this, it's that. There's so much pressure on this women's division as a whole to to show the f out tonight. Like the, there's so many things that I was worried could go wrong, and it because I have never done anything like that in my life. So I guess just starting with like the pressure of being the first women to main event dynamite. I mean, did you really feel the gravity of that going into that matchup of how important that was going to be? you know, things change in wrestling. So he told us like that we were going to be doing the main event, but then I kept thinking like, things are going to change. Things are going to change. Then like day of it's like the whiteboard in the back, you see like main event, Dr. And I was like, Holy shit. Like this is happening. That just gave me a goosebump. I know that's like, for me when it really, it really hit. And then, um, the night before I was just to, to like hype myself up. I watched the Trish and Lita main event match. And I was just thinking, I was like, Oh my God, how cool would it be one day to go down history books? Of, of like something like this match like because it's, it's such a famous match like I, I memorized the whole thing um and I just kept, I remember I think I was like maybe like Trish and Lita will watch this match one day how cool would that be <laughs> but, but no um it was I was so nerve-wracking all day and then Jerry who was our agent he told us at least like at least three times like you ladies have a chance to make history tonight and every time he said that, I just like, I would, I would like hype myself up. I was so nervous. Like I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm an anxious person as is when it comes to wrestling, but I was pumped up, anxious, nervous that I could have possibly been. Were you nervous because of the pressure of it or because of like, Hey, we're using thumbtacks and we've got this ladder spot and like all the stuff involved. So the nature of the beast of the, of like the, the unsanctioned magic. Yeah. I was nervous. Cause it's, it's going to hurt. There's nothing, no, no way around it. Like it's going to hurt. But like, I'm telling you, Renee, I was ready to die. Like, I'm like, we're, let's, go let's go because <laughs> i was i was like i'm i've i've been here from the beginning from day one of aw i was the first woman's fine i've been through it all with the the women's division they it sucks they're not ready for tv they're this they're that and i feel like this was like the opportunity to prove the legitimacy of the division and say that like no we do have a dog in this fight in women's wrestling so i was i was just so motivated and i was so ready to go it's crazy when you think of like i mean talking looking back at the like trish and lita like you were saying like i was talking to Lita on the phone today 
I was like, oh yeah, by the way, I talked to Britt and she said that, you know, hopefully maybe Lita or Trish will eventually watch his match. But her and I so rarely actually talk about wrestling that you forget about just how iconic that moment is, how iconic she is to every girl that has come like after Trish and Lita look to that match. They look to those women that have cemented this whole path ahead of them. And truly that's something that you and Thunder Rosa were able to do this past week. Like, I really feel like women will be looking to that match being like, Oh shit, those women tore it up. That's just like such a cool, it's such, it's so cool to think about like, yeah. And from now people will hopefully still watch that match. Just, I just know that like that Trish and Lita made of it. I hold that in like the highest regard and, like there's there's so many like oh like when when Alita dives and almost breaks her neck but it's it's like the moments like that it's messed up but it made it so much special because we're like losing our minds the whole time but um yeah if oh I hope she watches it <laughs> I hope she watches it too I'll, I'll send the vibe out her way yeah Lita please watch the match let me know what you think <laughs> what made Thunder Rosa the perfect person to go in and do this match with I think. We complement each other very well. Uh, she's very um, passionate, fiery. You know, she she's a, a little badass baby face, and I'm just the asshole heel that that baby face hates. But I also think that we both have such a similar just drive and, and passion for wrestling. We're ready to go. We're we're like we have to we have to do this. Everything we're gonna do, it's it's a calculated risk. And she said in an interview that I'm the the Joker to her Batman. That was a really good uh, comparison, I think, because it's true. Like we, it's like kind of one one can't live without the other in this, this story. Like we both really need each other for this to work. Who was pushing for more of those spots? I mean, when you guys were like, "Hey, we're going to do thumbtacks." Me, I'm uh, she. Her, <laughs> we got into a couple of disagreements earlier in the day. I'm like, no, we have to do it. We have. It's going to be fine. It's just trust me. It's going to be fine. I, I just because I, I trust her so much. You know, I wouldn't do that with anybody, but I, I trust her, and I just needed her to trust her and to trust me, obviously. But um, I'm telling you, and I, I was, I'm not like some crazy daredevil, but I was ready to go. I was just, I was like, we have to do it. You know those hot takes you post on social media? Well, now you can win up to $5,000 when you put those takes to the test on FanDuel. It's a new game called Over Under, and it's absolutely free to play on FanDuel. So here's how it works. FanDuel will set lines on things like total points or three-pointers made during every NBA on TNT broadcast. All you have to do is pick over or under for every prop. Your picks could win you a share of $5,000 during every contest. FanDuel is the exclusive home for over-under, and it's available in all 50 states. You can play from anywhere. All you have to do is go to FanDuel.com slash over-under and sign up now if you've not done so already. Please just do it. You're going to love it. Just create a new FanDuel account. If you don't already have one, it takes less than two minutes to sign up. Then you put your takes to the test during every NBA on TNT broadcast at fanduel.com slash over under. They could be worth up to 5,000 bucks. Do it. Age and location restrictions apply. See fanduel.com for terms and conditions. You're so great at finding the camera as well, which I think is really a thing that kind of catapults you into that like next level of like stardom of 
being the female that people have associated with the with the women's division in AW, obviously that you're the first woman that was signed there as well. But I think the way that you're able to find the camera and like find those moments to like slow things down a little bit, because when you had that blood all over your face, like that Austin moment, but you've had those moments more than once of just like the covered in blood camera finds you. Then all of a sudden you you get new merch out, which is amazing. Are you aware of that when you're doing it? Yeah. So, um, when I turned heel, it was like a new world to me. And I never, I never really had been a heel in my life. And it was, I was just thinking of, of things that I could do. It would kind of be different. And it was during the pandemic. I noticed when we were filming stuff in, in Atlanta, it was literally just us in this room. And it more than I've ever noticed before, I would notice the red light jumping from camera to camera on the floor. And I was like, Oh, okay. So then I, that's kind of where I, I, the, the light went off. My light went on my red light, went off my head, <laughs> um, you know, to, to really pan towards that. And then uh, a couple of times in, when in Jacksonville, I, I go to the truck and just, just sit in the back and, and watch and just to smart. see, like, I listen, it's amazing what they do. The, the production truck, they're so amazing, but just to watch what, like the different cameras they cut to what they're looking for. Um, cause it's, it's a part of your, of your performance, your act. So it's to just to kind of, and I've never, I have never been in, in TV wrestling ever. So it's all, it's so new to me. So I'm learning, I'm still learning so much. So anything now, anytime that I, I can think like, oh, this is a moment. If it, if, if, if it needs to be slowed down or it is a moment, I'm always looking for the camera always. And as soon as that blood started dripping, I was like, keep flowing, man. Keep flowing. <laughs> And then, Did you um, learn like the tricks of the trade of like, hold your breath and like push out the blood or whatever? Yeah. I were like, uh, all right, pump it, pump it. Paul's like, Paul Turner, the ref was like, you're bleeding. You have great color. You have great color. Just Jerry says pump in the back. Jerry. <laughs> so, and then actually Paul Turner, Paul Turner is my hero. He's my guardian angel because I have such bad anxiety. Like right before I'm about to go out, he sings the songs from a star is born to me. Like there's like a whole talk breath off the ledge process that he's involved with. But when I'm in the ring, every time we go out, he's like, Brit, we're printing money. And it's just like relaxes me. And he talks to me the whole time. And, but in this match, particularly, he had asked me so many times, he's like, Brit, are you okay? Brit, are you okay? Brit, talk to me. Okay. And finally I looked at him and I said, am I dying or am I okay? And he's like, no, you're great. You're great. You're great. But I was just like, okay, he's asking me way too many times. Am I okay? At that point too, you're like, wait, am I bleeding? Like Dustin was bleeding or like yeah. what level of blood are we know. at here? I, I knew I was bleeding a lot because I saw it dripping down the mat and, and it was in my eyes, which is something I've, because when, when I bled before I broke my nose, but when the blood runs into your eyes, like no one warned me about that. No one told me like, Hey, if you, if you get color, it's going to run in your eyes and you, it's like a red fog. Like you, it's like a, a red filter that right over your, and you can't see anything. And at one point I, in the match, you can literally see, I say to Paul, the I can't see. And I asked Reba, cause she comes out with the towel. I said, give me your towel. She goes, I don't have it here. Gives me her jacket <laughs> where I wipe my bloody eyes off in her jacket. Um, cause that, that did freak me out for a second. I was like, what is this? Like, am I passing out or what is that? What is going on? That's terrifying. Was everyone just giving you, were you getting tons of advice from a million different people? Or was there like a few people that you were like really leaning on for advice for a match like this? 
right before I went out, I had saw, I had seen mocks in the trainer's room and, and that was, I think like really the last conversation I had before I went out there. And that really hyped me up um, because, you know, this is this, he knows a little bit more about this world of wrestling uh, and the hardcore stuff than I do. So uh, it was really cool to, to get to talk to Mox about that. What did he say? What advice did he give? I had talked to him how I wanted to use the tacks and he was, you know, saying, yeah, they hurt. They're not that bad, but they hurt. I mean, turns out they freaking hurt. Christian also told me that the tacks don't hurt. And I informed him immediately right after I said, no, the tacks hurt, buddy. They hurt. How many did you get in your back? Cause you were like darted up with them. I, when they pulled them out in the back, I forget what the final total was, but they had shaken out when I took the table bump at the end too. I don't know. I'm going to have to get to ask Doc Sims in the final count, but another person that really um, helped me that day was Kenny. Kenny's like really special uh, to me because he's just been the head cheerleader for the women's division since day one. And I was so nervous. I, w- I remember I was sitting in the back on a road case, tying my boots up, just like in my own head, freaking out. And I, I feel like Kenny can sense when I'm about to lose it because he always like finds me and has such as his own way of calming me down. And it's not just the typical like, you got this, you're going to kill it. It's like a very like normal conversation. And he, he just sat down next to me. I was tying my boots on. And I, I said, I told him, I, I, I feel like he prepared me for war. Just telling me, you know, like, this is, this is a really special night. And, and there's like, you're, you're perfect for this bread. And it's, it's so cool because Kenny used to be one of my favorite wrestlers ever. It, like new Japan, Kenny, I was like fan girl. So now he's preparing me for war. And, and the main event of dynamite. That's got to be so weird to have people that you've like admired that now all of a sudden become peers, because I mean, you've just risen the ranks so quickly too. It's like, damn, to be like, I and I with some of these people and to be like leading the charge the way that you've been doing is super impressive. Do you look back on what the last like two years has been with AEW and just like kind of look back at everything that you guys as a whole have been able to accomplish? It's crazy because like I said, especially like for those of us that had no TV experience, like we don't have the performance center. We don't have promo class or anything like that. Like as we really, it's really baptism by fire. And of course there's some rough starts, like Rocky starts myself included, but I think it just speaks a lot of like the, the experience, like the vets and the more experienced people that we have that are, are helping us. And it, it shows you that it works. Like with the, like people like Kenny, Cody, Mox, Dustin, like all those guys that have been on TV or, or have, or at least have really extensive wrestling experience on, on the big stage. It's, it's such a help. It's, it's better than any performance center can teach you is people just telling you what, what's going to work for you. Cause, and that's, you get like personalized one-on-one training. It's not, we're not in a class. It's I, I go to who I know is going to help me get better. Like Jericho is, is my, one of my major go-tos always Kenny, Cody. I mean, Tony, Tony hands down helps everybody more than anybody even deserves. He's the best human being in the world. How nervous was he for you guys? Like what were the conversations you had with Tony leading up to this? So I had so many ideas written down in my notebook for this. Cause I knew we had, I had a little bit of time. We had time and um, Jerry, Jerry is a big phone talker. So I, I was talking on the phone with him so much too, but if there's ever like uh, the story of Britt Baker, one of the, there's a chapter on Jerry Lynn 
himself just for how much he's helped me even in the last like few months just with my in-ring work like character work and, and especially for this match jerry didn't didn't treat us like women like he was he, he was like we were two just wrestlers putting together a main event lights out match which was really special to me because it was the first time i felt like you know we're, we are we're, we're main eventers we're not like women's wrestlers with the match, I was really careful because uh, Tony is, he's very thoughtful, very caring, and he worries and he doesn't want to, he's very worried about our safety and getting hurt. So I would always like give him an idea, like one at a time, like, Hey, what do you think about this? Oh, cool. I didn't want to throw it all at once. Cause he'd be like, no way. I saved the tax for last. I was like, I really think the tax are going to be something like that would make this match stick out. Cause girls don't take tax. And he was all for it. He loved it. But then it was right before the match. He pulled me in his office and he was worried. He's like, Brett, I don't know about some of these spots, this table bump at the end, like the ladder. I don't know. And I was like, just trust me, please just trust me. We got it. We have to do this. We have to do this for this match to be what it needs to be. And he did. As soon as the match was over, we stopped filming. He was one of the first ones out there to, to check on me when I'm laying in like the table rebel. He's a germaphobe. Tony's a big, he's definitely a big germaphobe. And he hugged me and I was covered in blood. And that's when I was like, man, this must have been a good match. Tony, he just hugged me covered in blood. <laughs> but it made it all Tony, it. yeah, I mean, he's just the best dude. But to imagine him like pacing around, being so worried about you guys. And then, I mean, we, you know, you saw the footage that, that was put out by AEW afterwards of you guys all talking after the match and you going back to the trainer's room and, and all that. What did Meltzer say? Did, did Meltzer give you his rating? What did we get from him? He's such a shithead. 4.75, Dave. Come on. What do I have to cut my leg off for the extra? Come spot? on, Meltzer. Get your shit together. Meltzer, let's go. It's okay. I'll, we'll, we'll give it another go another time. How was that Death Valley driver onto the ladder? Because it looked like it hurt like a motherfucker. Everything hurt. Like, no, it's not like, oh, that felt fine. Like, everything hurt to some degree, but it's like, I'm telling you, I, there was just something different about me that night. Like, I, I, I knew what we needed to do and, and I was going to do it. So, yeah, it hurt. Everything hurt. <laughs> I, I, and I work out religiously. I don't miss my workout. I work out every day. I didn't work out for four days after that because I just, I could not move. I was so sore. The next time you're watching basketball, I've got the perfect way for you to get in on the action for free. I'm talking about NBA in play. It's absolutely free to play on the FanDuel app and features all the fun of live betting. NBA in play turns every quarter of every game into a free contest where you can win real cash prizes. So while you're watching the game, all you have to do is predict the outcome of plays and game props before they happen to claim your share of the prize pool. Best of all, a new contest starts every quarter of every game, giving you even more ways to win. FanDuel is the exclusive home for NBA in-play, so the action's always available right at your fingertips on the FanDuel app. The app is so easy to use and it takes less than two minutes to sign up. And it doesn't matter where you live or where you're traveling to because NBA in-play is available in every state. Don't miss your shot. Get in the game and download the FanDuel app to start playing NBA in-play today. So after you're done the match and we saw the footage, like I just said on AEW, um, when did you talk to your boyfriend, Adam Cole? So, I mean, I, it's no secret that we, it was, it was pre-taped the week before. I mean, we're, that's, that's not uh, a secret, but we, 
as soon as we got to the back, they're, they're taking the text out, everything. And, and he's really good friends with Jeff Jones. And he had been texting Jeff Jones. Like he was really, really worried. He was worried about me. And they went and grabbed the phone to FaceTime him. And I'm obviously like covered in blood. And Jeff is like to like prepare him. He's like, okay, so she's okay. She's okay. And he Austin just goes, or Adam says, let me see her. And then and it was just covered in blood. And but he was so happy. And he actually watched the match when it was playing. He was like backstage at NXT. Like he does not miss big moments. He was watching it on his phone in the back. What did he say? What do you think of it all? Oh my God. This his text like almost made me cry. He just said that it was it's like he's like, Britt, you literally just made history. This is this is one of the best women's matches I've ever seen, one of the best gimmick matches I've ever seen, period. And just saying how it's like it's, that match will always be remembered. And that's I think that was like really what I wanted more than anything is like to put out something that people will re- remember, something that will go down the history books because, yeah, it's it's the, fir- the first of anything is always going to be in a history book, but something that draws a true emotion out of people. And that's why they remember it, not because it's the first or second or third something, but because it's how it made people feel. And it really holds its own. I mean, because what you was it not until the week prior that you knew that it was going to be this like hardcore style match, right? Well, we knew we knew that it was probably going to be a get like some sort of gimmick, something like we talked. There was all kinds of different talks of something, but it was finalized. I think it was like two or three weeks before. And then we didn't know for, for sure. Well, I didn't know for sure the main event until like the night before, because I, I like I said, I just thought that it would change. There's a bunch of other huge matches on that show. Was this before or after drinking somebody's hundred dollar bottle of wine that was randomly found in the girl in the that fridge? Was, yeah, that was. This, <laughs> I don't know who that was, by the way. We never found out. Yes, yeah, so uh, Christian <laughs> and myself found a hundred dollar bottle of Australian uh, wine that we just it, somebody left it, so we had to drink it. Right? We had. What to. are you gonna do? You had to. Maybe that's what hyped me up so much for this night. It was like <laughs> the elixir maybe. of life. This wine. You got to keep that in mind. Anytime you have a big moment, you've got to like fly in some of this Australian wine because it pushes you over the edge. It gets you ready. Nothing better. I'm telling you. What did you think when you watched the match back? Because you watched the match back with Tony and with with Rebel, right? Yeah. So just to speak on how like wonderful Tony Khan is, like he's he's our boss. Like he's got a he has a lot of shit going on, right? He was so proud of this match and so have told me a hundred times. And I, I think the more people hyped it up, cause like we, we got, I'm telling you the standing ovation in the back people, guys that like, you know, I'm friends with everybody, the guys that I don't even really talk to were coming up to me and saying, Brit, that's the best thing I've ever seen. So it was hyped up so much in my mind. I was like, I, I was so scared. I, I was just as nervous to watch it as I was to go out. But anyway, speaking back on Tony, he's like, Brit, it's great. We, and it's on St. Patrick because we should all watch it and then drink for St. Patrick's day. I'll come to Orlando. So sure enough, me and Reba and then um, Cash and Eddie Kingston had also come and we watched it at Rebel's house. And I, I was, I literally felt sick to my stomach to watch this because I was so, I, I must've called Tony Schiavone like four times that week. Are you sure it was okay? Are you sure it was okay? Do you think people are going to like it? Are you sure? And he, he like eventually stopped answering my calls because he's like enough is enough. But I liked it. And very rarely do I like any of my matches. I always like create. And there's still some stuff that I wish I did better. But just the feedback from the fans, what that to me, I'll, I'll never forget that. Like, like, and we, we don't have like crowds right now. So social media is kind of our gauge of if something's like over or not. Tony kept telling, you're trending. You're trending number one right now. Britt Baker's trending number one. It was just such a sense of relief because it like, this was my baby. This match, I had put so much time and effort and like, 
emotion into all of it. Like I, I, I was going to be crushed if fans were just like, eh, it was fine. Yeah, they overhyped it, this or that. Cause we really did hype it all week. Like we hyped it, like it was going to be the best thing in the world. Cause you know, fake it till you make it. But I was, I would have been absolutely heartbroken if people didn't like it. So when they did, it was such a sense of relief. What do you feel like this has done for the women of AEW? Because like you said, it's like it's constantly under fire. There's all these critics, blah, blah, blah. But then to go out main event and put on something like that to just like put foots in mouths all over. Well, exactly. You just said it definitely puts the foot in mouth. And then I think, too, it um, it puts a lot of eyes on our division in a different light. Like we're not just some goofy you know, group of misfits that just got thrown onto dynamite. Like we, we're all very, very passionate about wrestling. And I think too, it sets the bar. Like we, everybody needs to show up now. We can't, you know, and, and we need to, and, and that's a good thing. Like competition makes everybody better. Um, but it, it's, it's cool. It's cool to be the ones that everybody's talking about for once in a good, for a good reason. And I had, I had so many nice messages from, from people in, in all around all different companies too. like, was there anyone that like reached out that you wouldn't have expected that you're like, Oh my God, what? Yeah. Uh, Drew McIntyre messaged me and I was like, it was, it was really, I was really excited about that. Um, there were, oh my gosh, there were so many people that had just sent like a nice, like Trent seven, who I think is one of the funniest people on the planet messaged me. Um, I had, I had a nice message exchange yesterday. It was yesterday with the other role model in wrestling. (laughs) One of my favorites. I'm literally, I literally am a fangirl for her. She's the best. It was really cool. Oh, Candice LeRae, who helped train me, who was also, she was like a hardcore legend in her indie days. Did Mick Foley reach out to you? I feel like Mick Foley would have been all over that. Oh yeah, Mick Foley loved it. He was, <laughs> he was um, very complimentary of the match. And he's also too, we're also in talks about when the pandemic's not so crazy, we're going to get him the hookup with fixing his teeth. Oh my God, yes. <laughs> That's brilliant, yeah. yes. Oh my God, Mick, 100%. Come on down from Long Island, get him sorted. He's Long Island, I think. I'm sure Emilio, the producer on here, is freaking out if I got the part of New York wrong. <laughs> sorry. So sorry. Um, so back to the women's division of AEW. Who do you want to see be a breakout star from that division next? Who do you think like really has that other like X factor or somebody that you want to see step in there and be a part of the women's division in AEW. Ooh, that's good. Well, we have like so many talented wrestlers like Sheeta. I'm not, I'm not lying. Every time I get in the ring with Sheeta, I'm, I'm a better wrestler at the end of it. Cause she just like, she, she brings you to her level. Like she makes, she brings you up with her and she is, she's so freaking good. And I, I love Sheeta. And I think like, she carried us really through this pandemic as the champion. Cause that's, that's hard to be a champion with. There's no fans. There's, you know, there's no media. There's nothing like that, but she too, she's so inspiring that her, her English is amazing right now. I don't know if you've ever gotten to talk to her, but she's picked up and moved to Orlando, Florida from Japan. And now she's like speaks English better than like some of the men in the locker room. So, um, but no, I think, I think Anna Jay and Tainara really have something special about them. I mean, they're gorgeous. They have their own little spunk, their own little, um, just a vibe about them. 
And I think, I think there are going to be huge stars one day, obviously Jade. I mean, look at the girl. She's already a star. Like she's, I mean, just look at her. But once she gets like more, more experience, cause like wrestling's totally new to her. She's, she's also being thrown into the fire. Um, she's, I mean, that's obviously we know that that's going to be huge. Uh, but somebody that I really, really, who is inspires me and I can't wait to wrestle is Serena. And she's freaking amazing. She's made, I think like arguably one of the best, like in the ring women's wrestlers in the world. She's so good. And she has such a cool story and a history. And I, I really can't wait to get in the ring with her. Maybe like one of the most best energies yeah. to be around. She just always seems so like centered and everything's so Zen. Like, I feel like you couldn't have a panic attack around Serena. I she could, just like, I certainly could. Like I will <laughs> test anybody's panic levels. I certainly could, but yes, she's such a good person, a wonderful person. Have you always been anxious? I'm the thing is like, I'm not an anxious person, but like high stress situations where I need to, or where other people are depending on me, that's when I get really nervous. And especially now too, that like, I, I care about AW so much. Like I bleed the black and gold and Tony is so good to me and so wonderful. He's given me so many opportunities that I feel like I have to perform. I have to show out because I don't want, I want to make him proud. That's the thing. I, I always want to make Tony proud. That's I, I tell him that all the time. And I, I wouldn't be anywhere where I am right now. I wouldn't be this heel character, I wouldn't have done the main event. I wouldn't have done any of that without him. So it's a lot of pressure to, to impress TK and make him proud. Oral Sessions is proud to be presented by FanDuel. You guys never played FanDuel Fantasy before? Great. FanDuel is offering up to a $500 bonus instantly when you make your first deposit with our 20% deposit match. Uh, why do I play FanDuel? I play FanDuel because I'm new to the fantasy game I kind of need somebody to hold my hand through the whole process. And the thing with the FanDuel Fantasy app is that it's so incredibly easy to use. Even a dumb dumb like me can make it work. And if you happen to be a fence sitter like yours truly, you guys can pick a new team every single game. You can switch it up. You can change your mind. It's all up to you. Ball is in your court. So FanDuel is offering new users a deposit match of up to 500 smackaroos when you make your first deposit, just go to fanduel.com slash cowherd for more info. Fanduel.com slash cowherd. Fanduel, more ways to win. How much did turning heel help you? You started out as a baby face, but as soon as you turned heel, I mean, that's like shit just took off for you. So that was Kenny. That was all Kenny's idea to turn me heel. It was like, I was scared. I mean, of course I was, I'm going to do it. Like they, they're asking, I'm, I'm not going to say no, but I was nervous. I've never been a heel before. I didn't know anything about like, you know, heat. And I mean, I've, I've taken, I've never given heat and like promos. So that, um, for me, I mean, that's the best thing that ever happened to me, honestly, it, that and getting injured because then when I got injured, I got to work on my heel promos. So, and, and who better to work with than Chris Jericho of all people, Chris, and it's like, I I literally ripped off some of his character from WCW and he was like the role model and the conspiracy victim. He helps me so much. Tony, I mean, Tony has a a brilliant mind for wrestling. I don't think people understand how hands-on he is with like helping with, we we never script our promos, but like we have bullet points that he, he needs us to hit and or stuff to promote, but with promos and angles and and match stuff, Tony's so hands-on. The stuff that he draws from for comparisons or yes. like 
he just knows everything because he's he's a living, breathing fan. Like he's loved wrestling. And he knows everything. Like if you sit and name a, like a, a match from a pay-per-view in like 1995, he'll know. He knows exactly what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, he knows everything. It's nuts. Uh, where does your love from wrestling stem from? When did that become the thing that you're like, hell yeah, sign me up. This is my shit. So like I, I grew up with a bunch of boys, like the, I have a little brother and then my, the family that babysat him. It just became a doctor, right? He, well, yeah, he's going to be a surgeon. He graduates. So he just got matched. So he starts his surgical residency in Michigan and he's going to be a general surgeon. So Miranda Bailey is who he yes, is. Mar- yes. Yeah. Miranda Bailey, Meredith Gray, general yes. surgeon coming through. Yes. Yes, general surgeon. But it got um, me into Grey's Anatomy, everybody. I'm on to season 15. I'm almost done. I'm getting there. <laughs> we're very passionate. But no, I, I so I always liked it, but it was like it was later on where I was like, okay, maybe this is something that I can do is when I was was at Penn State University finishing my undergrad and I was moving to Pittsburgh, where it's just closer to home, um, to go to dental school. And my friends were like, Yeah, that's a big independent wrestling scene. And I'm like, what? Like I had only watched WWE, like what I see on TV. So I didn't know what indie wrestling was. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll try this. And I pulled up to this warehouse in like, in the South, in like South Hills of Pittsburgh. And I was like, what in the heck is going on? And they did like some, some bumps, some rolls and like, okay, yeah, you pass, you can sign up for the class. So that was it. I was like, all right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give it a try. So I would drive three hours for a long time, three hours there, three hours back because I, I hadn't moved to Pittsburgh yet, but the class was starting. So I was like, well, I have to get in the class. And I, it was the best thing ever. I, I literally would, would sneak in the ring when I wasn't allowed to with the other class just to get more training. And cause like I was the little, the little rebellious Dr. Brett that I wanted to just get more, more practice and then everybody else. But um, I, I never knew that I wanted to be a wrestler until I got in the ring and, and tried it. And then I, it, I was like, this has to be it. It always seems to me like it's funny because I feel like when you watch something like 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 just any form of wrestling on TV, it's like to be like, oh, I'm going to turn that into a career. But for yeah. you to turn that into a second career yeah. after becoming a like, I mean, we just said at the beginning of the interview, you just got off work. You were still a performing dentist. You were you're working. You've got clientele and patients and all that as we know we hear about it on commentary, but how, how do you juggle both of those? When do you burn out on doing all of these things? It's crazy. It's definitely more manageable now. When I was in school, it was brutal. Like it was grueling. I would say I, I really didn't have a lot of friends in dental school because I didn't have time because you're in dental, you're in school from like eight to five and then you have to go to the clinic and practice. Then you need to be studying for like 9,000 things. And if you're not studying, you should be. But I also had to go to the wrestling ring. I had to go to the gym because you have to look fit. I had to like study wrestling tapes and watch Raw and SmackDown and NXT. So I didn't have time to like hang out or have friends. And it's, it's, I always joke that like I was the, the misfit. Like I was the, I was the nerd in dental school because I wasn't living in the library. I was watching wrestling in the back row, like the PowerPoint would be up and I'd be also like catching up on raw that I missed. So I wasn't, I wasn't the cool kid at all. I was the nerd. And, and it was fine though. Cause I, I loved wrestling so much. I didn't care. It, but then once you were like really in the thick of wrestling, I mean, that's where you feel like you just felt that you fit in. That's like your spot to be. 
yeah, I've always just felt like, like the, like my, my guy friends, my girlfriends in wrestling, that's just where I click. And we're all a bunch of weirdos. Like people think that we're weird, but they're, they're so right. Like we can sit around and talk about wrestling for hours and hours and hours and never get sick of it. But it's just the weird world that we, that we live in. Are you ever going to have to pick or like put, you, you can always just juggle being a dentist and a wrestler. That's crazy. Yeah. So that was like a big thing that, that turned me on to AEW. As I said, like, it was really important to me that I went to school for eight years and I didn't want to have to just like throw that away. Cause if you don't practice, I think it's, you have to be practicing for X amount of times in a year and you, you like lose your license essentially. So I said, it's really important to me that I wanted to keep practicing. And Tony's like, yeah, no problem. Like, of course you, you're, of course you're going to practice. Have you ever had to um, do like uh, an emergency dental surgery during like a wrestling show or anything? No, I, no, I luckily nothing ever like emergent like that, but I definitely get phone calls and be like, I need to like send a prescription because somebody's in pain, stuff like that. But I've never had to like leave the, the show to go do an emergency surgery. Thank, thank God. Knock on wood. Didn't you say that, that Adam, he like split his tongue open or something and you like, he didn't tell you and you didn't get to fix it in time or something. Yeah, I was like, he like had a, he very recently bit his tongue and like sliced it open. And I was like, why didn't we suture this? He's like, well, you know, I didn't, I, it's fine. It's fine. And then he like, couldn't eat anything solid for a week. Come on, man. Okay. But he's actually in Invisalign treatment right now. Oh, how much longer does he have? I'm fascinated by Invisalign. I want to do Invisalign. Yeah, I have it right now too. And my, my teeth are straight, but it's more like to correct my bite in the back. So it, it, I think he has, I'm not sure, maybe three or four months left. Well, listen, I would be remiss if I did not ask you about you and Adam Cole working for these rival dueling promotions, both on Wednesday nights. How do you guys juggle that? It's like friendly competition and I'm way more competitive than he is. So I'm always like, did you check the ratings last night, buddy? But <laughs> um, it's, it's fun. And, and I, I love, I love wrestling. Like I'm still like, like young in my wrestling career. I've only been wrestling five years. So I, I get probably a little bit overexcited to watch wrestling than he does right now at this point. Cause he's really into like video games and Twitch and all that fun stuff. But I, it's, we, we still talk like, like, like we don't have two totally different lives in two different companies. It's just, we, you know, it's a lot of calls, a lot of FaceTimes. Um, and, and he, he, it's no secret. He comes to AW sometimes and hangs out in the back. His best friends are the Bucks and Kenny. So he's got tons of, tons of friends there. Um, I, I know this is going to create probably a little bit of controversy, but I would love to work in the same company one day. I think I would make things a little bit easier. Um, with that being said, I'm probably never leaving AW because that's my home. I get that. I mean, for the, you know, for the duration of John and I being together, I mean, for the first, we've been together eight years. So for the first six, we were always in WWE together. And then once he jumped over to AEW, I mean, it was fine. It was also, you know, well, I guess not for that long of that time. But the pandemic helps with that, at least like we don't have the house shows the way that we used to. So either way, we're still home together a lot, which is nice. But you you do start to feel that when you are in the same place together and all of a sudden the other person's not there. You're like, oh, this isn't as fun as it used to be. Get back here. I always say two absence makes the heart grow fonder. I mean, being apart, it sucks, but it, it's always, it always makes it that much more special when you get to see each other again. And like when you get like a week to hang out instead of 
two days. It's also cool to just like be two separate people as well. Like you have your career, he has his, like same for John and I, like we are, we're as much as we are together and we're a family and we've got all that shit. We're still like totally our own individuals. Well, and, and I, I say too, um, I think the best thing that for me was that we are in different companies for now, the time being so that I could have time to establish myself instead of just being Adam Cole's baby. How you know? <laughs> like, yeah. How annoying would that be? Well, I got it all the time. I mean, all the time when I first saw, I mean, I, I got pretty ridiculed on Twitter when, when we first started, um, I was brand new. I didn't know what the hell I was doing on TV. I went from AIW in Cleveland to AW in front of millions, like overnight, but well, would always say this chick sucks. She's just there because Adam Cole's friends with the bucks, like this and that. So I think this was a big year, especially this year for, to just being my own brand, my own person, um, in, in establishing a, I'm my own identity and I'm not somebody's girlfriend. Yeah. And especially so early in your career, like that is crucial to like, to really set yourself apart. Cause it's, especially I find the rest, I mean, I can't just say the wrestling world. I can say that just cause I know from firsthand experience, but it does become that. I mean, I went through that for the longest time where it's like, Oh, that's Dean Ambrose's girlfriend or John Moxley's wife. That it's like F the F off. I mean, I, I, we did start dating when I was younger into the career where nobody really did know who I was. And, you know, I probably, I probably did it to myself in a way, because when I did the all in show, I came out, it, it was, it was his friends, his, his friend show. He had just left like the Bullock club and, and ring of honor. And, and those were, I mean, he's been friends with the bucks forever. So, and as a little tribute to him, I came out to his old ring of honor entrance music, which it was like a, a cute little ode to him, but then I, like hindsight, no, I'm glad I did it. Cause it was, it was kind of a little middle finger too, because he was told he wasn't allowed to come watch me at the show. A little unhappy <laughs> about that. Um, but now I, I, I'm, I'm veered away from that. I'm my own person, Dr. Britt, no, um, Britt Baker, baby. <laughs> bigger, baby. Boom. <laughs> um, how did you guys meet? Bumble. Wait, did you guys like meet on there and be like, hey, was it just like common interests of I love wrestling? How did this work? I was on a trip with my with my roommate for a dental school conference in Hirsch, Pennsylvania, because he lived four hours away. I was in Pittsburgh. He was in, I'm going to say it wrong, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Um, And we were on Bumble. My roommate and I in our rooms like, oh, this is we're bored. Let's do this. Right. So a, a name came up. And, and this guy, I was like, man, this guy looks so familiar, but he didn't look the same. Cause like ring of honor, he's got his hair down. It's all wet. And he's like, you know, he looks different. And then in the bumble picture, he had his hair in a, in a bun and in his little suit. And it said, Austin, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy? I swear to God, I know him. So I like even screenshotted it. Cause it was driving me nuts. I was like, I know who this is. And I can't think of who it is. And then it hit me and I was like, oh my God, that's that Adam Cole guy. I didn't know. I didn't really know that much about, I mean, I watched Ring of Honor, but I didn't know like that much about him. But so then I, I, I like went to look at Facebook because I thought he was really cute. And I was like, oh my God, that's him. So I, I sent him a screenshot of it on Facebook Messenger, like a nerd. And I was like, do you know this guy? No, like, you ha, didn't. How funny. <laughs> I know. Kill me, kill me. But <laughs> he... From there, we we talked and talked and talked. And then I like kind of paid attention to his character in the Ring of Honor. And then I immediately was like, oh no, like that's not for me. Cause I his he's he's an asshole. And I and you know the wrestling, they always tell you girls don't date the boys, they're all scumbags, especially 
young. So I was like, oh, no, 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 I'm not doing this. And, and he asked me to go on a date with him for three months straight. And I would not do it. I was like, nope, absolutely not. No, no, no. And then eventually I was like, okay, maybe one date is fine. So we both drove to the middle of Pennsylvania and state college and went on a date, TGI Fridays. And we were that we stayed there for five hours and we really hit it off. But we drove through, we both drove through blizzards, respective blizzards. And it's so funny because it was at the end of the night and like neither of us wanted to leave because we were enjoying each other's company, but the waiter kept coming being like, do you guys need more coffee? And we each was, yeah, I'll take some more. And we drink like eight cups of coffee by the end of the night. Cause instead of just saying like, no, I'm good. We're just going to hang out because we like each other. So, and then after that, it was, that was it. We, uh, we just really, really hit it off. And he's like, he's such a wonderful guy. I mean, the secret's out. Yeah, you can't have the bag. He's not a mean guy. Yeah, he's not a mean guy. I, I mean, I feel like I've been doing this to John for years now where I'm like, guys, he's actually pretty fucking great. Like, he's just like the sweetest guy. Doesn't have a bad bone in his body, but he's probably going to kill me. He, he doesn't listen to my podcast. At least I don't think he does. So he won't hear this. But um, but yeah, I remember when him and I first started dating and my mom was like, who are you dating? Who's this guy? So I told her his name. So she looked up all of his wrestling stuff. Like she looked up his like hardcore stuff from even before oh, WWE. Like yes. Stuff? And she was oh, like, no. my mom was like in a panic. She was like, this guy does not seem like a nice guy. There's no way this guy's like <laughs> through him. <laughs> but now my mom's obsessed with him. Like literally he is like the buffer between my mom and I. If I'm like, oh, my mom and I are fighting. I'm like, you got to go. You got to deal with it. And he's like, my mom's obsessed with him. They're like best buds. It's hilarious. Hey, my family loves Austin. He's Adam. I know I'm, I need to call him his name, but he, um, he's just such a wonderful person. He's so supportive of me and everything that I do. And he's, it's, he's been doing this a lot longer than me. So he's always somebody good to like bounce ideas off of or watch my stuff back with me. So, um, it's, it's good. I'm, I'm lucky. Cause he, he puts up with a lot of my BS. <laughs> I mean, we all do that in relationships, right? That's what it's all about. It's how much BS we can all tolerate from each other. Right. Um, Okay. So you've accomplished so much already, but still at such a, an early stage of your career, what do you want to do? What do you want the legacy of Britt Baker to be? I just want to keep creating like those moments that people remember, like, like, like uh, how I talked, we talked about earlier that there were, they felt emotion about that match. It's, it's hard to get to a point like that where you're, you have a great storyline you have a great opponent. Like the planets all have to align. They really do. It's not just one person. It's many factors, but I just want to be, I, I want to be remembered more than anything. Cause I always say my biggest fear coming through the curtain is that it's just like silence. Like I, they, I want them to boo me, cheer me, yell at me. I don't give a freaking flying, but just say some, do something. Cause I don't want to be just the one that, slithered by and, 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 you know, collected a paycheck. I want to make waves really. How much better is it for you guys? Cause even though, I mean, you guys don't have like a regular crowd, there are at least some people yeah. there that must make a huge difference for you guys going out there from when you had nothing to now, yeah. you know, having a certain amount of people there in the building, that building's yeah. great, by the way, just having like that indoor outdoor space. It's all very socially distanced like that. That has to make such a difference in your performance. Absolutely. And it's like every, it's like every pay-per-view we get a little bit more, a few more fans and just the, the one we just had, we, I did the buy-in the tag match and I, it was so loud. It like took me off guard, the, the fans and the reactions. Cause we're so used to like hearing Austin Gunn in the front row. <laughs> right. By the way, I didn't know that he was like a musician. Oh, he's quite the musician. I did not know that. 
stay tuned because we'll be having Austin Gunn on the waiting room in the future as the musical guest. You've been so great. Like you said, I mean, with you having the, with you having the injury and then having to work on this heel character and finding different ways to get on TV and then having the waiting room, is that all, are those kind of like your own pitches of things that you want to do? Cause a lot of times I think people can just kind of sit idly by, but you're always capitalizing on TV time. So some of it is my ideas, but some not like uh, the waiting room was totally Cody's idea. That was hit. He had the the vision, the idea for it. And he really helped, especially with the first couple, like, like the whole layout, like Brit, like, why don't we do an opening monologue? Like that would be cool. And, and a guest and a musical guest. So that a lot of that was really his idea. And, and Tony too, Tony, once, once something gets, gets rolling, like Tony opts in and he's very hands-on with everything. If I'm not on the waiting room one day, I'm going to be pissed. You know this, right? No, you have to be. It's already <laughs> it's already booked in pen. You have to be as soon as you're as soon as you're cleared, medically cleared to be in the because yeah. you don't know what can, what's going to go on in that way. You never room. know. But no, um, Cody Cody specifically is really good. He's very passionate about like the like the upcoming stars. Like he, he really wants to leave wrestling behind a better place than he found it. So he I, I he always says that he took me on as one of his projects. And he's helped me so much, like with promo work, him, Cody, Tony and Jericho specifically with promo stuff have helped me tremendously. Um, But it's, we get to say what we want to say and how we want to say it too. So I get to, I get to take my own ideas to Tony and be like, Hey, what do you think of this? And he'll either say like, I hate it or I love it or I like it, but do this, which is really cool because um, I hear horror stories of people like waiting outside somebody else's door for like five hours. And that's, I, I can't, I can't imagine that. It's just so, we're just so lucky. I mean, you want to talk about anxiety. You've got that much time to sit there and be like, when do I get to go in? When can I go in? When can I go in? Then you're like building it up. You're like, Oh my God, why am I even sitting out here? What am I trying to say? Then once you get in there, you're like, uh, do you need me to grab you a coffee? What do you need? Like, you like, forget what you went in for. I just can't relate to that at all. And I'm not saying it's, it's good. It's bad or it's, ever, but it's just, it's nothing that it's so foreign to what we have with AEW with Tony. Cause I, I can call him, I can text him or, or I can call one of the EVPs and say, Hey, I have an idea. What do you think of this? And they'll take it to Tony. So we're so, we're just so lucky that we have so much creative input with what we do. Yeah, it's cool. It's nice to see. And just from the the little bit of time that I've been able to be backstage and be at shows with you guys, I mean, you guys just have such a great environment there and you guys are crushing it. We have like a really good team and like everybody, it's like everybody wants to see each other succeed. There's no really, you know, there's friendly competition always, but like to, to get in the back after that match, the lights out match and have the entire roster waiting for us and giving us a standing ovation instead of like being like, well, I want to be in the middle, you know, like it's cool. It's such a cool feeling. And I was just getting texts and tweets from, from the roster all week. And it's very, it's just, it's like a big happy family. Yeah. It's, it's very cool. Well, Brent, thank you for joining me here on oral sessions. Congratulations on everything uh, that you've been doing throughout your career, but specifically uh, what you and Thunder Rosa were able to accomplish last week on dynamite. Looking forward to seeing you crush it more and uh, in these very adorable little vintage t-shirts. Yes. Thank you. There's many more to come. Yeah. Just don't <laughs> anybody else go buy them. Cause there are, <laughs> God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> thank you, Renee. Um, Okay. I know you just got home from work, so I will let you go, but thank you for hanging out with me and um, I'll see you on TV soon because I won't see you until after I have a baby. Good luck with the baby. And yeah, we'll see you soon. I can't wait to drink Bud Lights together. Oh my God. Amen.
there it is. I am so pumped that we were able to have Britt Baker to come on here to do her first interview post main eventing dynamite with that unsanctioned lights out match. I can imagine how much pain she's in. I mean, like she said, not working out for four days, having all those thumbtacks taken out from her back. We'll have to do a follow-up with doc Samson to see just how many thumbtacks were actually removed from her back. Cause it looked like a hell of a lot to me, but they did it. They did the damn thing. They shut some critics up. And I truly believe that Brit and Thunder Rosa were able to cement their own legacy in wrestling with that matchup. I mean, you know, you hear the comparisons of Trish and Lita, and I do feel like this will be a matchup that other young women will see and be like, Oh hell yeah. That's the kind of stuff that I want to do. That's what I want my career to look like. So they just helped to pave the way even more for more women coming in here into the, into the world of wrestling. All right, guys, you know what to do. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Renee Paquette. You can follow the volume network at the volume sports, both on Instagram and on Twitter. And on the YouTube, my YouTube, if you search my name, Renee Paquette, it will all come up there because we release clips from the show. We also are releasing the full-length episodes. Like, subscribe, share, turn on your notifications. You don't want to miss this stuff because we are cranking out the content. See you guys next time on Oral Sessions. Oral Sessions.